the show you're about to hear discusses films, books, and TV shows in their entirety, twists, endings, and all, without fear of spoilers. So if you don't want to know who dies, who done it, or how it all ends, we strongly advise you switch off now. I'm Paul Tyler and welcome to Spoiler, the show which reviews movies, books and TV shows in their entirety. This week we're taking a look at Walt Disney's 1941 animated classic Dumbo. And if you've somehow managed to avoid ever watching Dumbo over the last 74 years, then here's your final warning. We will be talking about the ending of the film. We will ruin it for you. So go away and watch it right now and come back to us afterwards. Have they gone? Right, on with the show. Today, the release of a new Disney feature film is a well-oiled money-making machine. The branding, the promotion, and of course, the merchandise. But this wasn't always the case. In fact, of Disney's first five animated films made back in the late 1930s and early 40s, only three managed to turn a profit, and some, like Walt Disney's pet project Fantasia, made staggeringly large losses. But in 1941, a big-eared baby elephant came to Disney's rescue. Rumour has it that Dumbo was only made to try and offset Disney's financial losses. In contrast to earlier films like Pinocchio, with its lavish animation and beautifully hand-painted backgrounds, the producers of Dumbo were ordered to keep the animation style cheap and simple, and not a penny was wasted on the production. They managed to complete the film for the bargain price of $900,000. That's more like it. In spite of its release coinciding with America's entry into World War II, filmgoers flocked to the cinemas, and Dumbo returned a healthy profit. Yeah, you're a big hit. The movie was a hit with critics too, being described by the New York Times as the most genial, most endearing, the most completely precious cartoon feature film ever to emerge from the magical brushes of Walt Disney's wonder-working artists. The movie went on to win an Oscar for its musical score. When I see an elephant fly. Since its original release, Dumbo has been re-released at cinemas no less than four times, as well as enjoying a profitable second life on video and DVD, not to mention the theme park rides, the books, branded baby clothes and cuddly Dumbo toys. That $900,000 investment must be one of the greatest bargains in movie history. even plans for a live-action remake to be directed by Tim Burton, although perhaps thankfully Dumbo 2, a proposed sequel where Dumbo finds himself in the perennial sequel plot device, Getting Lost in the Big City, was cancelled in 2006. But in spite of its thrifty budget and remarkably short 64-minute running time, the original Dumbo has become one of Disney's best-loved and most enduring creations, and the only one guaranteed to make our producer Johnny cry. Later, Andy will be taking a closer look at scary moments in Disney films, and Rachel will be making Andy and I look a little bit dumb in another music quiz. Okay, so let's give Andy and Rachel their proper introduction. A man whose favourite film is Dumbo. That's right, an adult whose actual favourite film is the kids' film Dumbo. Andy Goulding. And a woman that I'm hoping to find out over the next few minutes has more sense. It's Rachel Burnett. <laughs> Hello. Hiya, team. So I did, I did even 
contemplate not including Andy into the conversation till the very end and then only allowing him 12 <laughs> words or less to why on earth this is his favourite film of all time right Andy I'm not going to don't open that book yet I'm not letting you in just yet okay right but this is your favourite film of all time well it's, it's, one, it's one of my favourite films oh you see uh, backtracking there's, there's, there's three films that I think I could probably describe as perfect and this is one of them <gasps> okay Rachel this is, Rachel let's start with you this is the worst film of all time right it's not the worst film oh. of all time but I don't have a great love for it I have to say it's not one of my favourite even Disney films let alone favourite films so and I'm afraid I think it's quite far from perfect we're getting into a something like it hot situation <laughs> brilliant good good I mean this is it you know we, we, our last episode this is England 90 we all loved uh, which is nice you know because there, there's not much to not love about it but let, let's crack on with the hatred now <laughs> Um, uh, all right, Andy, come on, have a go. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm only sort of partially joking about the kids' film bit. Um, but even if this was your favourite kids' film, have you, you've seen School of Rock, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I see what you mean. I mean, I, I don't, I don't categorise it as a kids' film in, in my head at all because animations are a very underrated medium, and certainly in these, which it was still really in its infancy when Disney was making these first classics. And, uh, well, they, they always ha- had in mind a kind of family audience. They weren't directly targeting kids. They were adults were as much part of, of what they wanted to have in their audience as, as children were. So, so Dumbo was very much a, a family film for, for the whole family, not just, not just the kids. So, uh, I mean, nowadays it, it's a bit more animation tends to be aimed at kids first and then with a few little sort of sly winks to the parents in some of the content. But, uh, no, I think this, this is, is a wonderful film. I mean, uh, at the beginning of this, this year, uh, I didn't have a very good good start to the year, really. I, I lost my job earlier this year. And uh, I was a bit fed up. It was sort of beginning of January. The rain was banging against the window and I, I had nothing to do with myself. And I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll watch Dumbo. So it was it was a bit early to, to get a beer. So I went to the fridge and I, I, got, a, I got an ice cream. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a vegan, so it was a sort of mock Cornetto thing. <laughs> and I... Uh, <laughs> I, I got a, a sort of roaring fire on and I put Dumbo on and I sat down and it started and I thought, you know what, I am the happiest man in the world. <laughs> I mean, did, how can how can it not just, it's so sort of bright and colourful and straight away you're into this Casey Jr's coming down the track and it's, uh, oh, it was so... It just, I just lit up for the. I mean, it's only an hour long, but for that, for that whole hour, I forgot all all my other cares in the world and just just smiled from ear to ear. And that's what this film does for me, and what it should do for you, Paul, and you, Rachel. Okay, well, well, let me let me let me tell you about the problem we have here because I put it on, and uh, we put it on over Christmas time, and I said, right, come on, kids, I need I need to review this for the radio. We need to talk about this on the radio uh, and the podcast, and. Big one said, what, what were you putting on? I said, oh, Dumbo. And she went, oh. <laughs> now, apparently, there was a history of us watching Dumbo and a little one gets um, trauma- traumatised, absolutely traumatised when it's on. And uh, she's a bit older now, so I thought, well, we'll stick it on, see what happens. Nope. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, dear. I mean, I had so much explaining to do at the beginning, even about a stork. <laughs> a stork? No, what? So, but obviously, I mean, obviously, that's of the time. It's of its time. But it just opens up a world of complicated explanations about why 
the stalks there. Well, that's where babies come from. Is, is it? No, oh, no, it's not right. Okay, we're not going into that today. It's Christmas, right? Um, now, youngest is, um, I heard this a brilliant phrase just lately, Adam Buxton's podcast, which you should all listen to uh, after hours, obviously. Uh, he had a guest on Louis Theroux, his good friend Louis Theroux. Uh, and he, Louis Theroux talked about his wife being emotionally available. I love that phrase, emotionally available. <laughs> Uh, and that's very much uh, our, our youngest and sort of not just once through this film, but three times she was beside herself. And, uh, you know, I, I genuinely thought about turning it off. But you know, I have this thing where you should sort of see it through. If, if she gets upset by something, she should see it through and see the happy ending and that kind of thing, you know, sort of go on the whole journey. Um, but afterwards, we put Paddington on just to <laughs> cheer cheer everyone up. I mean, even the eldest was, in, in her words, freaked out uh, by the champagne sequence, you know, sort of, yeah, because at that point she was with me. She was saying, no, this is good. I'm enjoying this, uh, liking the songs and everything. But freaked out, Andy, freaked. Is it, this... I, I think I actually think we've got this on DVD as well. I, I, I think we'll perhaps give it to a charity shop, or, or, maybe, or maybe actually I'll bring it in for you next time. Just when your copy burns out, or, you know, it works out. I mean, I understand. I, I I think I understand why you like it so much. I, 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 there is something about it, and um, there's certainly nothing wrong. I mean, I think we talk about it a lot, certainly on this podcast, but you know, in general, that uh, crying is, is is part of it. You know, and especially it usually means that you're engaged with the characters and that kind of thing. Um, but what do you think? What do you think about the, the trauma that's in Dumbo? Because it is, they don't just do it once, do they? They don't just do it with the, with the initial separation. He goes back to her, and then that's something to get upset about because you're really happy that, that you know, Dumbo's back with his mum. Um, Mrs. Jumbo? Mrs. Jumbo, uh, that's right. Yeah. See, I did pay attention. <laughs> and then there's another separation there again. Andy gets bullied again. So it's just trauma, 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 trauma. <laughs> and, you know, people may say that sometimes Disney films uh, of late are, are, are perhaps a bit lighter but thank heavens for that <laughs> <laughs> well i mean like like i say it wasn't although children were a consideration they weren't the only audience yeah. who were being considered so i mean i think nowadays it's, uh, because it's targeted more towards children with the animation industry there is a lot more consideration put into that but uh I mean, even later Disney films, like, look at The Lion King. That has a father figure being trampled to death by wildebeest. Now, surely, and that is one of the most popular Disney films. So, surely that is more brutal than the, than Dumbo. Not that, I think, I think Dumbo is more emotional in a fairly sustained way as well. I mean, I have a, a friend who, she's a very big Disney fan. She can't, she just can't watch Dumbo because from the moment his ears flop out, she's in floods of tears right up until the end. But... Uh, for me, it's so it's so bright and colourful and positive in between those traumatic moments that I think it, it there's plenty to sustain you through that. Rachel, help me out. <laughs> I'm so with you, Paul. <laughs> um, I am basically your youngest. I think um, I was very emotionally available as a child, and I couldn't get past the the bit where the mum's in the in the mad elephant carriage thing, and mm. little Dumbo goes up and they touch trunks, and that was me gone, absolutely mm. gone, and. Um, I had to go. I went to the cinema, and Mum had to take me out because they were doing like a rerun thing at, at the Ritz at the time. And oh yeah, I'll take you to see this cartoon. That will be nice. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was lovely. Thanks, Mum. So yeah, left left early because I was just so oh, oh god oh, and I, I, it was years before I found out what actually happened <laughs> in it. But um, yeah, I think it's really shockingly emotional and really harsh. I think the the genius of Dumbo is Dumbo himself. I think he's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> as soon as those ears flop out, I'm like, oh, and my heart just melts, and he's so cute. But then when bad things happen to him, I'm just, 
I just can't handle it. I just really can't handle it. And I think because I have a, you know, I've been vegetarian since I was eight and um, you know, vegan for 15 years, animal rights person, everything. Anything about animals, I struggle to watch anything like Marley and Me or as one with Richard Gere, is it Hatchy or something? I can't watch that. And um, so anything with animals being mistreated or, or where they're sad, I can't handle it just can't handle it so yeah why put yourself through it <laughs> so I'm totally with your girls although I do understand Andy where you're coming from with it and and the colourfulness it's incredibly colourful but for me especially watching it as a grown-up and watching it back in the times that we're now in and you see the circus train and you did the little song which is really sweet I love that little song but we know that the circus animals are traumatised. We know that it's a horrible thing. We want animals out of circuses. So to watch it now with my grown-up head on in this time and think, that's really lovely. I just can't make that leap at all. Yeah. Just for the sake of balance, I should say that I'm, I'm a vegan as well. Yes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm very opposed to circuses. I think <laughs> horrendous oh, carnivals of painted face grotesques and mm. animal mistreatment. But it's a... Uh, there, there is some kind of balance. I mean, in, in it does show to an extent the mistreatment of the animals, even though it, we do have this happy ending where they're all still in the circus and still very happy. I mean, Dumbo, one thing that people often say about Dumbo is that it lacks a villain. And in lieu of a villain, we have the ringmaster who is kind of the antagonist and he's he's the overseer of the circus. So there, there is some, some element of balance in there, even though... You know, it's a Walt Disney film. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that he was trying to undermine something like the circus because he was all for that kind of uh, what he saw as the wholesome family way of life in America, wasn't he? But mm. yeah, I, I loathe circuses too, which just shows how much more there is in this this film. I think that mm. I can get past that. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I feel awkward in a circus, even with the uh, the trapeze artist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'd let's show all the balance here. I'm neither a vegan nor vegetarian, but yeah but still uh, don't like circuses so there's a convoluted area there <laughs> but um, I think it's, uh, doing that it is very much of its time it's of 1941 yeah. when the circus came to town and this was you know your entertainment I suppose or, or you know it's, it is of, of its time and probably all the more confusing with, especially with a stalk Andy talk us through a little bit uh, a little bit of the plot because I didn't write any of this down because I've been trying to put it out of my mind <laughs> <laughs> okay well I mean this is from the, the golden age of, of Disney animation for the five films that they first made as seen as the golden age, which was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo and Bambi. And I think a key thing about that those years is that the animation in, in it was absolutely tremendous. The storytelling was not so strong. And so that's what's so, so good about these films is that I think they overcome that. But Dumbo is very sporadic. I mean, very simply put, and it sounds ridiculous if you, you don't do it like this, but there's, there's a, a baby elephant is, is delivered by a stork to his mother. Stork. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and everyone thinks he's very cute until suddenly his enormous ears flop out and then... Uh, he becomes a social outcast and his mother does as a result of this as well. Uh, in the process of defending him from, from taunts from uh, onlookers, his mother spanks a young boy with a trunk. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and as a result, she is, is labelled a mad elephant and, and taken away from Dumbo and locked up. And then with the help of a very uh, positive, cocky little mouse called Timothy... Dumbo finds his place in the circus and 
ultimately discovers that he can fly. <laughs> this, this, uh, this all sounds ridiculous, but, and that makes him the star attraction of of the circus, and and everyone's happy. But it, it's it's not it's not the plot that is what makes this film so good. It's it's the animation and the the, the structure. I mean. At the time they they were making these early feature films, Disney were more well known for shorts that they make, especially the Silly Symphony shorts, which were based on music and were about seven minutes long a piece. And Dumbo is really like a long Silly Symphony or several of them strung together. So you get all these different strange and wonderful pieces coming together to make maybe not not something that that fits together as a whole, but but somehow it, it's cohesive and it, it it works for me anyway. <laughs> so Rachel, let's talk about the running time of this because um, it's blissfully short, but not not in not in not in the way I'm, I, I perhaps put there. <laughs> I mean, actually, in the way that most films should be. Mm. Um, there was someone I've got it down here, a chap called at Fergus Craig. This is a quote from Twitter, uh, and it just it was just after I'd watched the film. Actually, I, I looked at this and it says um, it was a bit long said every person leaving the cinema in the last five years um so this this film is exactly the right length because everyone does say that don't they everyone's criticism of films you know certainly like he says there in the last five years is that oh, it's just been so great if it was a bit shorter yeah. you know is the i like i think people do like epic but not in every film mm. uh, and not not as, as, as much as it is now but this is sort of gets it all wrapped up you know within an hour within a comfortable viewing time um you know it, it, oh, films are too long aren't they um, majority, yeah, I'd say they were, and most of them would really do well with a bit of really good editing and chop some bits out. Generally, if you're sat watching a film these days, there's a little bit where you're going, yeah, all right, move it on. And there's even been times when I've looked at my watch in the cinema, which I really shouldn't be doing. Mm. So, um, but you'd never look at your watch during this, much as I'm, I really don't hate Dumbo, I don't want that to come across. <laughs> um, I think it's got a lot going for it, there's also a lot that's not going for it. But um, I think it's the perfect length of film as well, and you wouldn't want it any longer, and not for that reason... <laughs> Not because I can't stand it any longer, but because it's a small story. It tells it, you know, very well, and there's no reason to pad it out any further. I don't like unnecessary padding um, in films, and you do find that quite a lot. I remember sort of growing up going to the cinema, and we were in there for an hour and a half, hardly ever more than two hours. And now most films seem to surpass two hours quite regularly now, especially the ones that are in two or three parts. And it's like, well, you've got all that space, you've got all these parts, and you're still two and a half hours each time. Crazy. OK, so later on, Andy will be taking a closer look at more scary movies in Disney films. Uh, and Rachel will be uh, tasking Andy and I with a Disney music quiz. Uh, and that's all going to be after this break. Now, this is the slightly awkward bit of the show where we pass the hat around. Making a podcast isn't expensive, but there are some costs we need to cover. And to be honest, it would also be nice to have a few quid to keep us supplied with coffee and vegan biscuits. You can help the show by visiting our webpage, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, clicking on the donate button and giving whatever you think we're worth. Alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, you can do that via the links on our website and we get a few pennies each time. So that's spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Or you can help us out for free and get yourself an audiobook of your choice into the bargain by signing up for a free 30-day trial with Audible via the link on our website. Audible have the world's largest selection of audiobooks, including Walt Disney, The Mouse That Roared by Jeff Lemberg. Now you can cancel your membership at any time within the 30 days and you won't pay a penny, but you still get to keep your free audiobook and uh, add another password to your many long list of passwords. So just go to spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the Audible trial ad on the left-hand side. 
we get a few quid each time someone signs up via our link, which will help keep our producer Johnny supplied with boxes of tissues for next time he watches Dumbo. Dirty boy. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, come on. Now, back to the show. Well, what's cooking around here? What's the good news? What's frying, boy? Okay, so uh, welcome back. Second part now of Spoiler. And we were talking uh, uh, just before there about the length of films. And earlier on, I'd like to pick up on something Andy said earlier on about the um, underrated medium uh, of, of, of animation. And certainly it's obviously pro- progressed since this time. Um, for better or worse, actually. I mean, you know, there's, there's a certain, uh, you know, when, when they talked about the brushes involved here, they, you know, that, that's, that's no doubt the, the, the way it was. But animated films... Rachel, I'll come to you because I know Andy's answer. Um, I, I suppose like when I said uh, when, back when we did some Like It Hot, I, I don't really sort of go to black and white films. Same as with, and I know Andy would say this isn't necessarily a children's film or doesn't have to be focused on a children's film, but I'm going to say it is. Um, in that, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch this by myself. You know, the, the, the kids had to be around. Although I might, I might change my mind on that in the future. I might go back to this and watch it actually. You know, as as an, as an appreciated art form without having to comfort young children so uh, but but a very long-winded way of saying rachel do you watch animated films just you know off the, off the cuff so uh, something like spirited away or something like that would yeah. you you know you go I, to that i do i do um my very first boyfriend when i was 19 was well and um, we were both actually on an animation course and um i wanted to do puppet making and be the next jim henson um, so that's why I went. But he was really into manga and anime and things. So that's how I was introduced with Akira and Ghost in the Shell and those sort of films, which I hadn't really realised existed until that point. And I realised then that, oh, animation isn't just Disney. And um, from there, my love of animation has grown and grown and grown. And um, and through knowing Andy, who's brilliant at recommending things, and through Ardman as well and finding out, you know, different forms of animation and I think it is a much more accessible medium than it used to be I think it is still underrated and I think people still do think it's for kids but there's a lot out there and there's a lot of animation that isn't even intended for kids let alone you know family viewing it should be just for adults have so. you watched Frozen yes you have I have yeah well, I haven't I haven't you see oh it's really good Dreadful. It's, it's one of those no it's one of those snobby films where people go oh, I'm not going to watch that because um, and I must admit I was very I didn't go to cinema to see it or anything but oh. my my sister absolutely loves films like that mm, so we watched fight. it together and it is about sisters and I think that is something that it is so much about that family and familial love and, and I think that's where me and my sister really found something in it I think Possibly it is more girly, although I know loads of little boys that love it and sing along to it and everything. It is one of those that's possibly a little over long. Um, and I must admit, I prefer Tangled, but um, yeah, I, I, I have seen it. But do you prefer Dumbo, is the question? No. Because <laughs> neither of those make me cry. <laughs> right, so Andy, um, do you have a Disney collection? I, I do, yes, but I mean, is it in order? It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got little numbers on the side. It'd be uh, it'd be wrong not to. And also, what about the uh, the soundtrack to this film? Now, we uh, we heard in the introduction that uh, it won an Oscar. Um, do you own, do you own the soundtrack? Here we go. Do no, you no, I, don't. Don't. I mean, I, I, I call yourself uh, a fan. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I do think Dumbo does have a great soundtrack, and uh, I do I do like the Disney songs. But I mean, 
I, I wouldn't listen to them much outside of the the context that they're in. I don't think. Well, I downloaded it to my phone recently. I, knew, I saw it was on Spotify, and I downloaded it to my phone just to see if I could bring another angle to it. Uh, but I played Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, in in Dumbo, I think the, the soundtrack is quite different to uh, to a lot of the other classic Disney films. And there's usually sort of the big number, or there, there's the sort of show stopping nature of the songs. So it, it stops for a song, whereas Dumbo seems to sort of drip feed you with this music all the way through and it, it naturally occurs and the songs are little snatches of music rather than fully developed things and in most cases uh, like you get the song of the roustabouts when they're putting up the tent or you get Casey Jr that that song that I beautifully recreated for you earlier on <laughs> yeah, it's nice that yeah. <laughs> put, a, and, put a drum and bass beat behind it we're rocking <laughs> <laughs> or you get you get baby mine which is the 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 music behind that famous scene where he's cradled in his in his mother's trunk uh, and there, <laughs> Rachel's shaking her head. <laughs> that that even gets me a little bit. I didn't cry, but you know, I was uh, I, I, like I said, I watched this sat in front of a fire with an ice cream, and I was the one who melted. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, he's a poet, isn't he? He is. <laughs> Quite a lot of the time, we ask uh, we ask our listeners uh, for monetary contributions uh, as well as uh, sharing. Um, sharing our, our, our links and things on on social media. Now, one thing we can promise you we won't be doing is buying the uh, Dumbo training shoe uh, for a hundred and dollars ninety-five. Look at this, Andy. What you went? Could you describe to our listener that rain that training shoe, please? Um. <laughs> It's a, it's a blue training shoe, basically, isn't it? Just yeah, in the colour of Dumbo. Yeah, it's it's a very. You wouldn't look at it and think Dumbo instantly if if the picture that you show me didn't have a lot of. Uh, it's got the Dumbo big riding Dumbos in the background. In the background yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but there you go. That is uh, available. This is the way. I suppose the, this is a, a, an illustration. I suppose of, of Disney's merch. God, they know how to sell things, don't they? <laughs> they really do. Um, so, uh, as we said again, uh, we, we we spoke in the intro about a. Uh, a live-action remake involving Tim Burton. What do you think of this, Rachel? I'm a bit concerned about it because um, we've already said that um, it's of its time, like the whole circus thing, that was okay. And you can watch it and go, oh, I can watch this with the acceptance that. But if we make it now, then surely he's going to have to really think about how he's going to portray that. Mm. Is he going to portray it as something bright and breezy and all the animals are, yay, going into their carriages? Or is he going to be a little bit more socially responsible and and portray it? You know, more accurately. Mm. I'm really um, dubious about it. Well, Tim Burton doesn't always go with Brighton Breeze. Well, he? no, he does. Well, <laughs> sometimes he does. Um, but no, I don't know. Because if you don't make it like that, then it's not Dumbo. It, it'll lose the heart of what it is, even though I don't agree with like a lot of what they portrayed. That is Dumbo. It'll take away what you love of it because it won't be yeah. bright and colourful with lovely songs. And so, what is the point? Yeah. Andy, will you be picketing outside and uh, <laughs> setting fire to the studios, or, or? I'll, I'll probably I'll probably watch it out of curiosity, and mm. I won't. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people say, "Oh no, it's been remade, and that'll ruin the original." But I, I can separate them up in my head. I don't think it will take anything away from it. But live action, I don't really know how they're going to do that. I mean, the image in my head is hideous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's, we could all hope uh, in many ways that the uh, the money doesn't come through and it's one of the one of these projects that doesn't get financed that we hear about all the time. Right, so as we established earlier, uh, this film uh, is really well, it's now banned in my house. Um, it's so heavy on emotion and separation and bullying, followed by more separation and bullying after a brief reunion. Thank 
God for the magic feather. So with all those frightening moments for young eyes, Andy has been taking a closer look at more scary moments in Disney films. When you wish upon a star In its long and distinguished history, Walt Disney Studios has become a name synonymous with the highest quality of animation. The studio is not without its detractors, however, and some critics have characterised Disney as purveyors of sickly sentimentality and twee cutesiness that presents an oversimplified fairy tale world of two-dimensional wish fulfilment. To this accusation, all I can say is that these critics obviously didn't grow up with the same Disney films I did. Throughout its lifespan, the Disney studio has displayed a mastery for light and shade, and while they tend to favour the happy ending, they don't half go through some dark routes to arrive at it. Disney's second feature film, Pinocchio, has a legitimate claim to being the most consistently terrifying of the studio's classics. The bursting-at-the-seams plot packs no less than five villains into 88 minutes, including a sinister puppet maker and a giant whale. But most frightening of all is a lesser-known creation called The Coachman. I've got a coach leaving at midnight. We meet at the crossroads. And no double-crossing! The Coachman is a ruthless con man who transports young boys to a place called Pleasure Island, where, with no rules or adult supervision, they literally make jackasses of themselves. As the boys are magically turned into donkeys, the coachman rounds them up for a life of despairing servitude in salt mines and circuses. The transformation of one cocky child named Lampwick is distressingly vivid as he kicks and struggles wildly against impending donkeyhood. And while Pinocchio himself manages to escape, Disney fans have spent many sleepless nights over the fact that the story never returns to Pleasure Island to reveal the ultimate fate of the donkey children or their evil overseer. For me, the most spine-chilling moment of all occurs before we even reach Pleasure Island, when the coachman outlines his evil plan to his cohorts. When they express concern that their scheme may be exposed, the coachman reassures them, They never come back as... At this moment, his face fills the entire screen and twists into the countenance of a red-faced, green-eyed demon whose haunting quality is only increased by the brevity of its appearance. Sometimes Disney's most troubling scares come from the unlikeliest of sources. No one could ever describe Donald Duck as a frightening character. And yet, in the innocuously titled Fun and Fancy Free, he unleashes a diabolical side rarely seen in the world of aquatic birds before or since. In a segment called Mickey and the Beanstalk, Donald is a poor farmer who's on the brink of starvation. Here they are, three poor miserable peasants gripped by the pangs of starvation. Presented with a meal of bread so paper thin that it's transparent, the duck finally cracks and explodes into a frenzy of crockery crunching madness. <laughs> Ostensibly calmed down by his friends Mickey and Goofy, Donald lapses into an even creepier state of frazzled insanity when he spies an axe on the wall. What diabolical thought is being hatched in the brain of this poor demented duck? With the slow, deliberate movements of a cold-blooded murderer, he approaches the family cow before breaking into another red-pupiled, maniacal attack. Donald Duck was always a character known for his violent temper, but this was usually paid for laughs. 
While there is a vein of humour in this mental collapse, it is of the blackest nature, and Disney obviously knew this, given the ominous reds and browns they used for the looming skies of the background. Donald's predicament would surely have been disturbingly resonant with post-depression audiences, and to see one of the icons of animation's golden age crack so completely must have been a uniquely distressing experience for those who looked to these characters for escapism. Both Pinocchio and Donald got their happy ending, but don't write off the Magic Kingdom as a world of happy endings just yet. Not everyone always escapes with their skin. In the 1943 short Chicken Little, for instance, an entire cast of anthropomorphic birds are lured to a fox's lair, where they're not only eaten, but have their wishbones arranged in the formation of tombstones in a war cemetery. Dinner is served. Don't worry, folks. This all turns out all right. Made as a piece of wartime propaganda, Chicken Little is less surprising in context. The characters, like Bambi's mum and Simba's dad, die for the greater good, in this case as symbols of where careless behaviour can lead. Hey, wait a minute. This isn't right. That's not the way it ends in my book. Oh, yeah? Don't believe everything you'll read, brother. Perhaps more surprising is The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr Toad, which features a faithful adaptation of Washington Irving's The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, in which the arrogant but charming schoolmaster Ichabod Crane is spirited away by the headless horseman. Brilliantly narrated by Bing Crosby, Disney's adaptation of Irving's short story abruptly switches from bright whimsy to genuine scares, as Ichabod Crane endures a terrifying ride home through the woods on horseback. Disney have created many memorable haunted wood sequences in films like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Beauty and the Beast, and even The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. But none can rival this stupendously spooky encounter with the Headless Horseman. This is the studio at their best, combining the laughter of their best chase sequences with the terror of their darkest imaginings. The finale, in which only Ichabod's hat is found, attempts to capture some of the original story's ambiguity, implying that the horseman may have been local bully Brom Bones in disguise all along. But given the elaborate look of the horrific spectre, the skeletal hands of the supernatural seem like a much more likely explanation. In any case, in this expectation-confounding tale, the bully boy marries the girl, well, the last we see of our flawed but basically sympathetic hero Ichabod is a chilling point-of-view shot as a flaming pumpkin with a mocking grin hurtles towards his helpless face. Still think Disney nothing more than pedals of saccharine sentiment? As Bing Crosby's narrator says... Man, I'm getting out of here. Well, thanks very much for that, Andy, uh, as always. Very interesting. And as we move on now to Rachel's music quiz. Now, uh, anyone who heard um, the last episode of Series 1... Uh, of, of spoiler where we uh, uh, the laugh a minute uh, that was melancholia <laughs> uh, we, we had some much needed relief uh, from a music quiz given to us by Rachel uh, and I think uh, Andy and I well we both uh, demonstrated our prowess and uh, complete <laughs> ignorance uh, in, in any of the music that was given to us so uh, on a Disney theme uh, Rachel I believe you have another quiz for us I do indeed you should be I say should be better at this. <laughs> Don't um, hold your breath. Well, mm, I tried it on my sister and she got most right. So, yeah, it's the first line of a Disney song and I want you to tell me the song and which Disney film it is from. Okay. And you've got all the... Let's, let's just remind ourselves, Andy's got a, a collection in numerical order yes. on, on his shelf and I avoid children's films because they are ch- children's films at all costs. Okay, so um, let's just bear in that in mind. Oh, yeah, yes. I'm happy to go forward. Just, just bear that in mind. <laughs> 
Although Andy also said that he doesn't own any Disney soundtracks, is that right? That's right, yeah. yeah. There yeah. you go. So, yeah, but the songs are in the films, aren't well, they? Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, so this first one, it's really easy. <laughs> Andy, you're in deep trouble if you don't get it. Um, tale as old as time. Beauty and the Beast. In the film. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Very nice, thank you, Angela Lansbury. Um, okay, next one. I can see what's happening. Can you, uh, the Lion King? Can you feel the love tonight? Mm. I can see what's happening. What? And they don't have a clue. Who? They'll fall in love, and here's the bottom line: our trio's down to two. Okay, well, I'd, li- I'd like to say that I am still here. I'm, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a better opening line in The Lion King to the song Be Prepared, as, as performed by Jeremy Irons. Oh, I love Jeremy Which Irons. is, a, I know that your powers of retention are as wet as a warthog's backside. <laughs> I wasn't going to I say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next one. You think I'm an ignorant savage. Oh, is it a King of the Swingers, Jungle Book? Nope. Oh. Nice try. <laughs> is it from Bambi? No, but much, much later. Pocahontas? Yeah. Oh. Song? Oh, I don't, I don't know. No. I don't know Pocahontas very well. Actually. No, I must admit, I don't either, but I know this song really well. So this is Colours of the Wind. Oh. You think I'm an ignorant savage, mm. and you've been so many places, I guess it must be so, but still I cannot see. Okay, I think this one's a, a little bit easier. The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. The Little Mermaid oh. <laughs> under the sea. Now, Paul really tried hard to get in there, I think. <laughs> seaweed. I was going about it in a lateral thinking way. I'd have got there eventually. You were, you were. Now, yeah. which one's got seaweed in yeah. it? And, yeah. by, by the beginning of series three, we'd have been fine. <laughs> the seaweed is always greener in somebody else's <laughs> dream about going up there, yeah, I don't know, but, but you can't help but smile on your face, that song, can it? It's fantastic. That's one of the the, uh, the songs from a soundtrack that I would like to own. Ah, there you go. <laughs> it's a good soundtrack, that one. Okay, so um, think of a wonderful thought, any happy little thought. Oh, is that Peter Pan? I'm it's, thinking Mary Poppins. No, it is. Mm. I haven't done any live-action ones, by the way, because I could have gone crazy with live-action <laughs> But um, yes, it is Peter Pan. Do you know the name of the song? No. Uh, it's the one where they're all... Trying to fly, isn't it? it flies in the title. Uh, you can fly, isn't yeah. it? Learning to fly. <laughs> Flying without wings. Any happy little thoughts? Uh-huh. Like toys at Christmas? Sleigh bells? Snow? Yep. Watch me now. Here I go. It's I like that line. Like toys at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit twee. And materialistic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, next one. When you get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong. I don't know this, but does, you know, you know, the, uh, the next line, does it end in song? <laughs> it probably does. Is it, oh. it's not give a little whistle from Pinocchio, is it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> don't talk when to me about you Pinocchio. Get in trouble and you don't know right from wrong, give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. So the reason I say don't talk to you about Pinocchio, um, recently we went um, to the Shrek adventure on the South Bank in London. We're very lucky enough to go there. And uh, they have a, a 4D experience there, through there. And uh, that's that's all fine. You go on this bush ride and all these other witches flying around. Now, this same 
emotionally available youngster. <laughs> um, you walk around the Shrek adventure and you walk through and there are live actors uh, all around. And um, most of the time she got engaged with those live actors. The princess is, of course, darling. Um, <laughs> and things got slowly darker. And the way I say don't talk to me about Pinocchio is because we went to a room, a torture chamber, where Pinocchio was spinning around on a wheel. And every time he lied, obviously his nose went out and stuff like that. He's very good, very clever, very inventive. Uh, but also when, uh, when he eventually did inevitably sort of say the wrong thing and got tortured, everyone's chairs shook, uh, which um, sent the emotionally available child through the roof. <laughs> I had to uh, extract her and we are, uh, we were what the Shrek adventure call a 1047. <laughs> uh, they took us through a middle central corridor. Someone on a walkie talkie said, yes, we've got a 1047 on our hands. Uh, and uh, we, uh, uh, yeah, we had to leave early. Aww. So don't talk to me about that. <laughs> <sighs> Left you a nervous shrap. <laughs> oh, brilliant, Andy. Brilliant. <laughs> okay, Paul, we've got two more chances to try and redeem yourself and get one over Andy. I've got none of it to play for, but I'm, I'm willing. I'm willing. Okay, I'm eager. Good. That's good. I'll pay you for the last couple of hobnobs. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Aladdin. Yes. Oh, thank heavens for that. <laughs> um, the song is... Um, Sing it through <coughs> in your head. <laughs> um, uh, wake me up before you go-go. <laughs> I can give you the song. Oh. Go on, Andy. A friend like me. Yay. Oh, of course. Well, Alibaba had them 40 thieves. Sherry's out, he had a thousand tales. But master you in luck, cause... Pop your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got power in your corner now. That's a cracking sound. It's well. <laughs> really good. Excellent lyrics. Okay, and the last one. Uh, it's a bit tricky. I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. Oh, um... No. No. I thought this might stump you. Frozen? No. Mm. Pocahontas. <laughs> Tangled. You can't just keep saying random titles. <laughs> I can, and I will. Well, you can. <laughs> I will say that it is a film that we've already heard some music from. Now it's a memory competition. I can't even remember. <laughs> and it's a more, more, more recent. Gosh, it's not that recent, but it sort of started the resurgence of the Disney films after their terrible. Beauty and the Beast again. No, it's oh, a Little Mermaid. It is Little Mermaid. Oh. Yeah. Um, Who's a nasty in Little Mermaid? Ursula. I think she only sings two songs. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it's called Poor Unfortunate Souls, which I thought would stump you. <laughs> I admit that in the past I've been a nasty. They weren't kidding when they called me well a witch. But you'll find that nowadays I've mended all my ways. Repented, seen the light and made a switch. True, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <That's all. laughs> so, yes, I think... Sorry, Paul, but I think... Andy it was close, it was close. <laughs> Wait, do you know the worst thing? I think I knew... Th th I knew this was coming. I, d I didn't do any research. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Well, you got half a point because you, you did know about Aladdin. So oh, yeah. Well, we got off the mark. Yes. Well, well done, me. Well done, me. <laughs> and uh, so, time to wrap things up uh, here on the second episode in the second series of Spoiler, where we've been talking about Dumbo. Um, and we uh, we usually do this with a rating, an almost irrelevant rating uh, for each programme we try and do. And this one I've chosen, uh, you need to choose this uh, from... And it's because they, get, they, they sort of get whacked out on champers. Um, so, uh, you can either rate this as champagne you can rate this as carver or you can rate this as blue nun rachel <laughs> oh it is blue nun i'm afraid but with a little touch of carver for 
when his ears flop out of the scarf. It's very cute. <laughs> well, for me, it leaves me just just giddy with joy. So I'm going to say it's all three mixed up in a big bucket. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Uh, well, uh, do you know what? I'm going to surprise you and say Carver because I do know, I do know, I understand what Andy's saying. I mean, you know, to, to, to look at it the way Andy talks about it, uh, and also as well, I mean, he's not on his own. There are legions of fans, uh, you know, for this film, and there are legions of fans for the merchandise too. But, <laughs> uh, but I because I understand it, you know, I. I I do get it. I do get this thing where you know, if I did watch it on my own, which I'm probably not going to do, there are other films to watch, aren't there? But uh, but uh, I'm going I'm going to balance it out and be the um, woolly liberal sitting on the fence guy. I truly am, uh, and call it Carver. And probably because yeah, I quite like Carver anyway. I'd be fine. Uh, so we'll we do that after the program. And um, so the man who's been singing the praises of the, of this all the way through um, is also a very very good poet. So we leave you now with Andy Goulding. Few lists of perfect lovers have Prince John or Captain Hook in, while most discerning men don't give the wicked queen a look in. For Disney villains can't express their deep repressed emotions, so spend their lives in solitude just going through the motions. Condemned to carting villainy as they have always been, I've got no strings to hold me down, their cruel ironic theme. You'll never see scar tissues soaked with teardrops shed by scar, or love letters proclaiming I adore you from Jafar. Be thankful if you can express the feelings in your heart to those you love the dearest, because you know Shere Khan sure can't. You've been listening to Spoiler, hosted by me, Paul Tyler, with Andy Goulding and Rachel Burnett. Our theme music was composed by Ron Butcher, with additional music from the Dumbo original soundtrack. If you've enjoyed the show and would like to support us, you can go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk, click on the donate button and give us whatever you think we're worth. You can also sign up for a free 30-day trial with Audible and get yourself a free audiobook by going to spoilerpodcast.co.uk and clicking on the Audible trial banner on the left-hand side. Now, alternatively, if you're planning on buying anything from Amazon, do it via the links on our website and we'll get a few pennies commission to help us keep us supplied with the coffee and vegan biscuits. Or you can help us out by simply telling your friends about us, sharing links to our show or writing a nice review on iTunes. Next time on Spoiler, we'll be taking a look at George Miller's acclaimed 2015 action film Mad Max Fury Road. My name is Max. My world is fire. If you'd like to contact us about that or anything else, you can email hello at spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter or Facebook or go to our website, spoilerpodcast.co.uk. Spoiler is produced by Johnny Hall and is a Joe Schmo production. The show was recorded at the studios of Siren FM in the heart of the beautiful Cathedral City of Lincoln. Cozy little place, ain't it? <laughs>